0: God. Well, we're still in Ephesians 4. So let's turn there together and chugging our way through tonight. Ephesians chapter 4, looking at the fivefold ministry gifts. Anybody have any gifts out there? Raise your hand if you got gifts. All right. Amen. Ushers, write those names down, putting them all work. The truth is, we need all our gifts to be activated. We need our gifts to be put into use. Amen. Church is not a show. It's not a one man show. It's not, you know, well, the pastor's got to work one day a week, maybe twice if he's good on Wednesday. But all of us bring our gifts together and we use them in the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. It takes all of our gifts to allow God to do what he's called us to do here. Amen. It's never just about one person. It's about the body of Christ. So these gifts are important here, and as we're looking at them in great detail, we're taking our time uh, to just understand them. There's some applications that we're going to cover in this message about teachers tonight. We're going to talk about teachers. And uh, let me just read to you uh, verses 7 through 11 here on spiritual gifts here, chapter 4, the book of Ephesians. Father, we thank you for the word tonight. Thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence Father, we think about those that aren't here tonight, Lord. Uh, We pray, Lord God, that you visit them and meet them wherever they are, Lord, and you encourage them and build them up in the middle of the week, Lord. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the fivefold ministry gifts and the Holy Spirit. We ask that you open up our minds and our understanding tonight that we would have a better command of what you've called us to do and how the gift should operate in the church. We ask it in Jesus name and the church said, amen, Amen. Ephesians four, starting in verse seven. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, he who ascended on high had led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. This is what Jesus was doing while he wasn't in the grave. He was liberating uh, Abraham's bosom. He was uh, getting ready to activate and gift the church. It says here in verse 9, now this he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended in the lower parts of the earth. But when he Descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some Jesus. He himself gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edification of the body of Christ. Let's stop there. Verse 11 contains the gifts that we've been talking about. We've covered the most of them, we're going to finish up the last one tonight. So far, we've looked at apostles, and we realized the 12 apostles were those who walked with Jesus. They were a part of his ministry. They saw him bodily resurrected. Anyone who operates in an apostolic spirit now uh, doing what apostles do is not like one of the 12 apostles, but working in an apostolic spirit. Spirit, what does an apostle do? They plant churches. They they guard sound doctrine. They bring discipline and correction to the church. They pastor pastors. They lead leaders. How many think we need people like that in the body of Christ? Pray that God activates the apostolic gifts. We need them. And we talked about prophets, and prophecy has always been a part of the body of Christ from the beginning. We talked about Abigus, the prophet who prophesied to Paul. Uh, New Testament prophets seem to be different in function in the prophetic Uh, Use than Old Testament prophets, but nonetheless, prophecy is part of the New Testament experience. And we talked about evangelists, those who preach the word and preach it in unique ways that lost people can understand the gospel, and they have special anointings to bring the gospel in a way that produces converts. How many like the idea of having evangelists in the body of Christ win the lost? Amen. Isn't it powerful just watching people who are gifted to do those things? We showed a clip of Greg Laurie when, uh, you know, he he has a harvest America where they preach the gospel. You've seen Billy Graham crusades where he preaches the gospel in such a simplistic way. And then you watch people from all over stadiums come down and receive Christ. It's exciting, isn't it? So let's pray that God raises up some evangelists in the last days here that really have a heart for Uh, the gospel, and a unique way of bringing it to the generation. Last time, uh, we looked at pastors and teachers were grouped together, and we noticed that, uh, you know, God has pastors, and when a pastor has a pulpit ministry, they need to be able to teach, amen? Uh, We can't just be, you know, smart and good-looking. We actually have to have an anointing to preach the word. That was a joke for those of you who are glaring at me. But we talked about pastors last time, and pastors have uh, a big call, and it's, uh, it's serious, and they need to follow the, the order of conduct and all of these things. Pastors and teachers lump together. Pastors must be shepherds. They must exercise spiritual authority. If you don't have a backbone, you shouldn't be in pastoral ministry because I can tell you after about 30 years of doing it, it's not for the faint of heart. The things that have come across my desk in all those years, I'm telling you what, Um, You got to have a backbone and you got to have a love for the people of God. Amen. So I love you. Um, Pastors also bring clarity and correction to the church. They speak to the culture when it strays. Uh, They define God's word and bring it to the culture in a way that, you know, people can receive it and get saved. The pastor-teacher gift was lumped together, and although not every teacher is a pastor, every pastor needs to be able to teach. Every pastor uh, who's called to pastoral ministry doesn't necessarily have to have a strong pulpit ministry, but senior pastors or, you know, the primary leaders, they have to have a strong pulpit ministry. Why? Because we need to be able to rightly divide the word and preach it in a way that people can understand, both for the saints and for the lost. But there are those in pastoral ministry who are administrative pastors, care pastors, counseling pastors, uh, teaching pastors as well. And they don't necessarily. So don't think if, well, I could never picture myself, you know, preaching and I don't like being in front of people. That doesn't exclude you from pastoral ministry. Someone say amen. So we covered those. The last is the teacher. Let's explore the teacher tonight. Look excited. Amen. Amen. We're going to talk about teachers while teachers are actually teaching. I'll be teaching while I'm talking about teachers. There are those who are teaching our children tonight. There are those who are teaching our youth tonight. So in the midst of teaching, let's talk about teachers. Uh, What a powerful gift. Uh, all, uh, All of the body of Christ needs teaching. Say amen. How many would say you have benefited and grown and seen your faith expand by good, solid teaching? Amen. So teachers are vital to the body of Christ because all the saints, that's every single one of us, me, you, all of us, at all times, especially new converts, they need solid, systematic, biblical instruction in order for all of us to reach spiritual maturity. Now, that doesn't happen without gifted teaching. Amen. I love the word of God and I love to preach it, but I love to sit under good teaching all day long. I'm listening to messages. I'm listening to other pastors. I'm listening to the radio. Why? Because I need to hear the word preached to me. Amen. It keeps me fresh. It keeps me growing. It keeps me excited about the things of God. So whether we're teachers or not, or whether we're pastors, whatever ministry, uh, you know, we find ourselves in whatever giftings we have, we all need to sit under the teacher. Let's talk about teachers who teach in the classroom of Christian education. Do you realize Christian education is a huge part of what goes on in the body of Christ? How many? How many would say you know more now than when you got saved? Some hands aren't going up. I'm really alarmed. Yeah, we do know more. Why? Because we are we are receiving teaching by the Holy Spirit through anointed teachers, and we get the Word of God in us. Now we can't do that all by ourselves, so we need the teacher. And teachers should be celebrated. And I know the ones that you know are prominent in, in the body of Christ, uh, doing great work. They're appreciated. Um, just as evangelists and pastors, all the fivefold ministry gifts are important, but teaching is something that all of us are going to sit under now. When we talk about teachers in the classroom of Christian education, we're going to look at it on four levels. Anytime young people or newly saved people or the next generation of leaders need to be trained, we need wise teachers to train them. Amen. Uh, I sat under ama- some amazing men of God at Bible school that have so impacted my life and my ministry still to this day. I can remember the things I was taught Uh through these people and uh they've impacted my life so understand the classroom is where christian education happens and it happens on four levels proverbs 22 6 is a familiar scripture to us Uh, i'm actually gonna say it on wednesday and it's in my sunday sermon too but it says train up a child in the way he should go and even when he is old he will not depart from it we all need training amen We don't get saved and we know everything. Even the Apostle Paul sat down for two years before he went into public ministry and he got trained. What was going on when he he was getting deprogrammed of all the wrong stuff that was in his head and his heart. And God was putting in the, the truth of the gospel and the new covenant in him. So he was trained. Training happens in the classroom. Christian education is an important part of what goes on in the body of Christ. It happens on four levels. The first level is the Sunday school teacher or the Wednesday night teacher. Amen. I want to say something. We have an amazing group of teachers in our church here that are committed to the growth of our young people. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for my wife and and all her team there that organize all that. How many teachers do we have functioning approximately? 80. So, I mean, we've, we've had, you know, 75 to 100, I think at times in operation, but, you know, 80 people that have committed to teach our young people. Amen. That's an awesome thing. How many of you out there are some that teach Sunday school? Raise your hands. Amen. Take a look around. Keep your hands up. Don't be shy. Come on. I want to clap for you. Thank you very much. I want to say something to you. You're a lively crowd here on Wednesday night, so I'm going to try and perk it up a little bit, but what goes on in the classroom is not babysitting. It is biblical instruction. You are putting something in the next generation that will produce fruit. We have no classes back there with curriculum that just tries to keep them busy, those little monsters all sugared up. You bring them on Wednesday night, you bring them on No, we're not trying to do that. We are putting the word of God in them. And let me tell you something, it's working, amen? It's getting in them. And, you know, we've had times with our uh, Sunday school program and stuff that the children like to go so much. The parents told me they told their kids, if you're not good, you're not going to go to Sunday school, and they straightened up. That's amazing to me, Amen. That shows me that our Sunday school teachers who are teaching in the classroom, you know, it's more than, you know, uh, teaching little Bible stories and stuff. They are imparting the word of God to the next generation. How about the second phase? I call it the homeschool teachers, people who teach their children at home. How many people homeschool here or have been homeschooled? Raise your hand. Look around, everybody. Don't be so dead tonight. Turn your head. All right, so we got some, amen, and that's a great thing because, you know what, we know the school system is, is falling apart, it's teaching our children all kinds of crazy stuff, so those that feel that call to teach their children at home, that is a teaching ministry. Uh, we, we got locked down for two years and people realized how difficult it was to deal with children because now mom and dad had to oversee the studies and, you know, it was online and everything and they realized, wow. This isn't as easy as it looks. And, you know, learning, reading and writing and arithmetic and all that stuff is important. But learning the principles of God's word, learning the truth of, you know, biblical history, learning the commandments, learning uh, the stories of Jesus. All of these things are something that, you know, our homeschoolers and, and, you know, as Christian parents, we are all called by God to train our children. Amen. Amen. Don't think for a minute that ah, well, they go to school, I don't have to train them. Or they go to Sunday school, I don't have to train them. All of us have a responsibility to teach the next generation, amen. 80 of us in the body of Christ just here at Full Gospel Center have responded to that. We've got parents who are teaching their children at home. More and more, we're seeing people make that decision to keep their children home and to train them, Amen. Remember, we got elections coming up for the school boards, amen. Let's vote in some godly people with morals, amen. Enough of this crazy nonsense. My son uh, works in Local 21 in the union. One of his uh, mechanics there, a foreman, one of them is actually running for the Arlington School Board, amen. Sister Pat met him. He gave me a phone call, and I said, hey, we support you. You can put your sign out there. This guy, he's a straight shooter. He's got morals, so, you know, we need to get up, uh, you know, we need to get out there and vote, amen, (laughs) amen. It's one thing for us to just say, oh, well, we'll train them at home or we'll bring them to church or, you know, sometimes we just need to get off our blessed assurance and get out there and do something. Amen. Oh, Wednesday night. Hold on. Sunday school, homeschool, all teaching gifts, all part of the teaching ministry. How about Christian school? We have some great Christian schools in our areas. How many have went to Christian school or sending your children to Christian school? Amen. We got some hands going up. That's a good thing. A Christian school, just like uh, homeschool, uh, you get that good Christian education. You get morals. You get, uh, you know, everything that you're not getting at the public school system. So, Christian school teachers are important. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. A lot of times, we don't think about the sacrifices people make who are in ministry. You know, the five-fold ministry gifts are gifts that are used uh, on a full-time basis. They are vocational gifts in a sense. But realize a lot of people who go into ministry make, a, make like half of what you would make in the private sector. Come on, Wednesday night. So to go into ministry to use your gift, those teachers who are teaching in the Christian schools can make a lot more money in the public schools, nine times out of ten. But they make that sacrifice So that they can impart something to the next generation and we should honor that amen those teachers that teach in Christian schools, uh, you know, who are carrying the word of God to our next generation of students uh, is a, a valid powerful teaching ministry and they need the teaching gift to do it. Amen. How many have had teachers growing up whether when you went to school that you still remember amen for good or bad reasons. I have some that I remember that I have PTSD from, and I have some that really imparted some powerful things into my life. Coaches, teachers, had history teachers that were so passionate about history and teaching, you know, this stuff. And the the passion uh, of, of a good teacher, the excitement of a good teacher can really impact a student's life. Let's pray for our Sunday school teachers, our homeschool teachers, our Christian school teachers. I want to cover one more level the seminary Bible school level. There's higher education for Christian education, those who are called to full time ministry. And if you feel a call to full time ministry, if you feel a call to preach, to teach, if God's pulling you in that direction, I would very, very strenuously encourage you to get trained on that level. We have too many half baked. People who have jumped into leadership and they're untrained. They don't know scripture. They don't know context. They don't understand hermeneutics. They don't know how to rightly divide the word. You know, they don't understand how to do exposition from the scripture. And then you hear them preach and you're like, you need, you need a time out. Amen. So those who teach on that level in seminary and Bible school, very powerful. There again, me on a personal level. The teachers, I I still know some of them. Some of them have come to preach here. We've got some lined up. Probably uh, we're, we're talking with them to come in. Why? Because these are solid men of God that have the word of God in them, and they can impart something to the next generation. Kim and I sat under some beautiful men and women there that just imparted so much to us, and hopefully you're reaping the benefits of that. So. Um, but that's probably another sermon. So there are teachers on that level in the classroom, but there are also teachers that teach full-time in the ministry in church. Now, let's talk about the function of teachers within the church. The Word of God basically tells us we are taught in two ways. Number one, we are taught by the Holy Spirit. You say, well, oh, Pastor Rick's teaching tonight. Not if I'm right with God, I'm just a conduit, amen? Amen. If I, if I was on my feet and got something from the Lord and the Holy Spirit illuminated it to me so I could understand it, uh, hopefully tonight I'm just the conduit, but the Holy Ghost is teaching you. Amen. Amen. So we're taught by the Holy Spirit, and then we're taught by the Holy Spirit by those who are specifically gifted to teach the body of Christ. Let's look at the first prong of the two. We are taught by the Holy Spirit. Listen to 1 John 2. 26 through 27. If you're taking notes tonight, write these scriptures down. 1 John 2, 26 through 27. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, he's talking to Christians, as for you, the anointing which you received from him remains in you, and you have no need of anyone to teach you, but his anointing teaches you all things. It is it is true, it is not a lie, and just as it has been taught, it, you remain in him. So what's Paul saying there? He's saying, look, you've got the Holy Ghost in you, and he's the umpire of your soul. No matter who stands behind a pulpit, no matter who's on radio or TV, when they say something, the Holy Ghost in you is the umpire, and if it's wrong, he's going to go, whoa, wait a minute. Have you ever heard something, and you're like, whoa, I've read so many Christian books, and I'm like, What? And my wife will come in and say, look at this. And I'm like, "Ah, that's wrong. So, you know, just because a person's a teacher and they, you know, they're a Christian and they have a ministry doesn't mean we just accept everything that's taught. We need the Holy Spirit. All right, I'll give you another scripture. John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our teacher. He's our mentor. He brings to remembrance all the things that God has tucked in our hearts, amen? Some of us have heard thousands and thousands of sermons, You're old out there, right? I think about, you know, I've been saved since I'm 14, constantly listening to the word, constantly sitting under. And I can't, you know, there are days where I can't remember why I walked into a room. So how am I so Evans how am I supposed to remember all that stuff that that the Lord tucked in my heart the Holy Ghost brings it to remembrance amen and he brings it up when I need it and sometimes it's coming out of my mouth and I'm saying it and I'm like I didn't even know I knew that I I can't even remember remembering that come on Wednesday night that's the Holy Spirit amen john 16 13 however when the spirit of truth has come he will guide you into all truth he will not speak of his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will tell you things to come so not only do we get teaching by the holy spirit but we get prophetic warning by the holy spirit he guides us he leads us he leads us into all truth amen so important we understand when it comes to teaching, it has to be Holy Spirit driven, and we need the Holy Spirit to allow it to sink into our heart. Listen, there are times where sometimes you have to spit out the bones and swallow the meat. Have you ever heard some some teaching like that? (laughs) Well, the pastor said it. It must be true. Not unless it lines up with this. Oh, Wednesday night. So we need that referee, that umpire, the Holy Spirit. So we're taught in two ways. First, by the Holy Spirit, and we've got to acknowledge that. Then we're taught specifically by those who are gifted to teach the body of Christ, the fivefold teacher using the gifts and the anointing that God gives specifically uh, to a teacher to systematically and accurately make God's word come alive to the listener. If you've ever sat under a good teacher, you know they're enjoyable to listen to. Have you ever heard someone teach or preach and you're like, man, I could listen to that all day? Anybody ever experienced that? And then, have you heard somebody and you're like, is it over yet? That's the difference between the anointing, amen? So, thank God for the fivefold ministry gift, but let's always remember to acknowledge the Holy Spirit's role in our teaching, in our training. Uh, so, preaching and teaching in its purest form are different. Did you hear what I said? Preaching and teaching. Wave at me if you're still awake. All right, praise God. Some people still aren't waving. Preaching and teaching are a little different. I'm going to try and define uh, preaching and teaching in its purest form so we can understand. But hear this. We need teachers in the church. We need preachers in the church. Amen. Teaching and preaching are a little different. Uh, We need a balance from our pulpits of preaching and teaching. If you go to a church where all they do is preach and all they do is shout and scream and yell and run around and you never get into the depth of the word, you're not going to grow spiritually. You can hoop and holler and backflip and shout and hallelujah and Sunday go to meeting and put your best hat on. But sometimes you need to get past that superficial, you know, kind of just, you know, scratching the surface and dig deep into the word. You know, and, and Wednesday night, we do that here. We dig deep in. We go verse by verse. We go line by line. We go gift by gift. We've talked about, you know, this chapter we've just explored and, and, and dug in, and we need both of that. So, what is preaching in its purest form? Preaching is proclaiming the foundational basic tenets of the gospel. It centers on the gospel. It centers on salvation. It's geared to the listener who may or may not be saved or even young Christians. It's proclaiming the, the basic truths of the gospel and the word of God so that everyone can understand and relate to them. Someone say amen. amen. That's important. We've got to preach the gospel. Amen. But if every Sunday all I do is preach the gospel and we never dig deep into the rest of Of the uh, the 66 books of the word and get some depth, we're going to be shallow Christians. So what is teaching? Teaching is usually more in-depth and detailed and more systematic. The purpose of teaching is to explore and enjoy every morsel of God's word exhaustively, verse by verse, making uh, making precise theological applications to the listener so that they can apply them to their lives. Getting this, right? preaching, and teaching, a little bit different in their application. Now, I want to say something. What I've learned over the years uh, of ministry for myself and for those uh, who've been around me is that the most effective pastors have learned to do both simultaneously. They learn to do what I strive to do. It's called teach-preach, amen. You've got to preach it in a way that it's explosive enough to the listener that it has some attraction to it, but dig deep enough that everybody within your congregation can get something out of it. When I was a young A graduate from Bible school, I sat under a pastor who's a, you know, he's an internationally known speaker now, Bob Sorge. He has an amazing testimony. You can look him up online. We might try and have him come speak here. Very powerful man of God. He told me something as a young preacher. He said, you have got to have something for everyone in every sermon that you preach. He said, you've got to be able to reach in the same message, the unbeliever, the new convert, and the seasoned saint or theologian. Now, where his church was, was not far away from the Bible school that I graduated. On any given Sunday, you could have a lost person sitting down next to the president of the Bible school who was a a high-level theologian. And as a pastor, he would strive to have something in his message for everybody. How did he do that? He learned to teach, preach. And I want you to understand the difference between teaching and preaching and the fact that we need both of them and that we can't have just one or just the other. Some churches, all they do, verse by verse, line by line, detail by detail, bogged down, bogged down. You know, well, we're in the book of Ecclesiastes today, but the Holy Spirit's saying you need to be doing something else where we're going to follow it in order. Why would you get that religious with the word of God? (sighs) I love to do systematic line by line, verse by verse, sequential studies, but I follow the Holy Spirit. And sometimes he says, no, it's not the season for that. Preach this. Amen. So preach, teach and understand that the word of God is there uh, to be taught by anointed teachers, preached by anointed preachers to strengthen the body of Christ. Let's take a look at what God's word says about those who teach. And I'm going to cover I'm going to cover a few scriptures and a few things and try and bring this in for a landing tonight. It's a dangerous thing when all I can see is a glare on the clock. (laughs) Because I can go for quite a bit. So let's look at uh, what God's word says about teachers. Number one, teachers must be trained. Say amen. Amen. Teachers must be trained. Well, I'm just good at speaking, so I'm just going to get up there and i don't to wing it. No, don't you dare. Get trained if you're called to teach, amen? Teachers must be trained and have the humility of a student themselves. Did you ever meet people that they want to teach others but their life is a mess or they're not in order themselves or they really don't know what they're talking about? But they have charisma and the gift of gab and they like to hear the sound of their own voice? Teachers must be trained. 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself. Approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth amen when we sit under the anointing and we hear the word of god and we soak it in the holy spirit is teaching us and the holy spirit's in us so that we can rightly divide the word of truth how many understand people can read the scripture without the gifting of uh the teaching gift or the without the active gifting of the holy spirit and they can come to some pretty wrong conclusions about the scripture In fact, a lot of us, before we were saved, we would read it and think it meant something different. But then, you know, we got saved, and the Holy Ghost got in us, and and he retrained us, amen? So teachers need to be trained, why? So they can rightly divide the word. Uh, The word of God means what it means, and it says what it says. You didn't hear that. The word of God means what it means, and it says what it says, This is not a literature class. Well, what John 3.16 means to me, I don't care what it means to you. This is not literature 101. This is the word of God. It means what the Holy Ghost meant it to mean when he inspired it through the people who penned it. So we have to be trained so we rightly divide the word. Now, don't be intimidated by that. If you're called, if you're gifted, uh, if you're a Christian, if you got the Holy Ghost in you, you can understand the word of God. If you sit under the anointing week after week, God's putting it in you. Don't be afraid to open your mouth and let it out. Amen. If you're wrong, you won't kill anybody. I've heard some <laughs> I've heard some people say, This is what this means or something and I'm looking at them and I'm like, How did you live this long? But, you know, there's a learning curve to it. But what I'm trying to say is if we're called to teach, then we should be trained. We have to rightly divide the word. It's it's not whatever it means to us. It's not our opinion. It's not our spin on it or our twist in it. The word of God says what it says and means what it means. Paul tells Timothy to rightly divide the word. That means teachers must be skilled and anointed to actually allow the Holy Spirit to reveal, to illuminate to them. Many people say, I I got a revelation. Really, that's not the right word. Revelation is closed. God revealed the word of God through uh, people, and they wrote it down in Scripture. Now, revelation is closed. We can't add more chapters to the Bible. At this point in the church age, all we we have is the illumination of the Holy Spirit. He allows it to come alive so that we understand it. Amen. I can't say, well, I got this new revelation from God, and and it doesn't line up with God's word. No, you got a lie, and you're deceived. Amen. Charismaniacs. So understand that Uh, we can never say, oh, God showed me this. You know, that's how cults start. That's how uh, division starts in the body of Christ. It's got to line up with the written word. I know people use that word revelation. I know it's used in scripture in places, but really it's illumination. So understand that we need to be able to rightly divide the word. The Holy Spirit illuminates it to us so we understand what it means. And then we apply it to our daily living and it produces fruit. Uh, number two, the second thing I want to say about teachers is teaching is not a career choice. Ministry is not a career choice. I sat down with a pastor one time that was in a denomination that teaches all kinds of unbiblical things about sexuality. And I can go on and on and describe but You get the idea. And I and I talked to him a little bit and I'm and I like, I, I found out that he chose the ministry as a vocation and said, "Well, it's a pretty good gig and I got this and I got these benefits and I guess I'm going to do it till I retire." And not only was the guy not called to ministry, he wasn't even saved. Wow. That was the last time we had lunch. But, you know, I, I walked away from that thinking, "Who who would choose the ministry as a profession because it was a good profession?" Teaching is not a career choice. It is a calling. If you're called to the ministry, you will do the ministry because nothing else will satisfy you. My Bible school teachers told me if you're called, you will fulfill your call. But if you're not called, you'll never last. And that's the truth. So if you're called to fivefold fold ministry, if you're called to teach, uh, you know, you'll, you'll do that under the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's not a job that you choose. James 3.1 tells us that the calling should be pursued in the fear of the Lord. He said, not many of you should become teachers. Wow, that's an interesting little disclaimer, amen. You know, uh, you would think the Bible would tell you, get into ministry. No, he says, not many of you should be, uh, become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that he who teaches will be judged more strictly. Wow. Anybody out there saying, I'd like life to be a little bit harder and stricter and tighter on me? But if you're called, you'll be able to bear it, amen? Number three, teachers must be solid in three areas, according to Titus 2, 7, and 8. Titus 2, 7, and 8 says this, In all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works and doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, and incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. So Titus is a good scripture for those called to any kind of ministry to take a look at. But specifically here for teachers, they need to be solid in these three areas. Number one, solid in their personal walk with Jesus. Amen. You can't just be an egghead. You can't just be an intellect. You can't just be a good speaker. You got to be saved and walking with Jesus. If not, your teaching's not going to have anointing. Number two, you, they have to be solid in their walk, but they also have to be solid in their theology. Amen? There are so many good books on systematic theology. There's so much solid teaching. The body of Christ is at a place where the, none of us have an excuse to be ignorant of anything anymore. Amen? Amen? We could be in the word. We could be. I know, you know, a lot of people are not going to study theological commentaries or or whatnot. But if you're called, you know, you should have solid theology. It's amazing how many Christians don't have a Christian worldview. They don't understand the thrust of the gospel. They don't understand eschatology. But yet we log hours and hours on our computers, TVs, and cell phones, and we remain kind of dull. So... If you're going to teach, you need to get trained. If you're going to be trained, you need to have solid theology. And you need to understand at least the basic tenets of theology. Now, not everybody's going to believe the same thing about certain things, but there are certain foundational things we must believe because they are solidly scriptural. Amen. So teachers uh, are going to have to understand solid theology. And number three They should have solid apologetics. Now, how many have heard that word apologetics? That means you go around saying that, I'm sorry I'm a Christian, I'm sorry it's offensive, I'm sorry I'm not woke. No, that's not apologetics. Apologetics are, are, is a defense of the faith, amen, that when people ask us questions and they have these things, and we, we have a ready defense of the faith that we can, not, not that you know, we're confrontational and we're argumentative and we're, we like to debate, but in love we share the truth skillfully under the anointing of the Holy Spirit so we have an answer. Amen. And if you're going to be a teacher, you've got to have some solid apologetics. Look what it says. Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that the one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to save you. So you got such good character and you have such a good understanding of the word and you present it in love that your, your opponent can't even say anything bad about you. I've talked to and debated Atheists and you know people who hate Christianity and stuff, and been able to connect with them on a certain level. That some of them have been become close friends to me, and over the years they're starting to soften up to the things of God, because just living in front of them and and being loving, and they'll bring up stuff. And the the devil, man, he's like, oh, they'll some find some obscure scripture in the Old Testament about you know this, and they'll say, well, what about this? How could you you know you and then, and then I'll say, you know. Do you understand what that was about? Do you understand the Levitical law? Do you understand how Israel? And then all of a sudden, they're a little disarmed. But this comes, you know, when you have a teaching gift, you've got to be the one to be able to do this stuff, have a solid personal walk, have solid theology, have solid apologetics. All of us should learn to have a ready defense of the faith, to be instant in and out of season. Amen. Now, sometimes if you don't know the answer here, I want you to try to say, I don't know. Go ahead, try it. That's pretty good. And that's okay. You could say, Here's my pastor's number. Call him. And if I don't know, I'll say, I don't know. Let me go. I mean, sometimes, you know, people come up with stuff. Anybody? Yeah. Okay. So if we don't know, we don't know. But we can still do our best to go to the word and and bring truth and find an answer. Amen. Um, So. Let's move on here. Teachers have to be solid according to Titus in those three areas. Teachers must actually teach the Word of God. Anybody stunned by that? This is not like a comedy show or the you know, the commentary on culture hour, or you know, I've been in churches where people would do commentaries on movies. I'm serious. We're going to talk about the X-Men movie and blah, blah, and it's a spiritual parallel. And I'm like, what? And what's your scripture? Oh, no scripture. We got Scary. Teachers must actually teach the word of God. You know, you say, well, why does that even have to be said? Because out there, there are teachers who get up and teach their own opinion. They teach their denominational slant. They teach their emotional interpretation of things. They preach a social gospel, pop psychology, or any other opinion that's, you know, just pulled out of the, you know, somewhere's out there. Well, this is blah, blah, blah. And there's no scripture and there's no exegesis and there's no hermeneutics and there's no foundation from God's word. But they're teachers and they're on TV or they got a big church. But the gospel that we preach and the truth of God's word that we preach is not pop psychology. It's not cultural commentary. It's not opinion based or emotion based. So we've got to teach the word of God. If we're going to teach, we're going to teach the word of God. All 66 books of the Bible are canonized scripture. That means we agree that those who are godly have come to the conclusion that these books are the word of God, and we teach from them. That is our textbook, period. Amen. We don't mix in opinion. We don't mix in denominational slants. We've got to teach the simplicity of the word of God. Listen to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So what's our textbook for teaching? The word of God. Sixty-six books of the canonized scripture that are all profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. Amen. Second Timothy three, sixteen and seventeen is a good scripture to memorize, Amen, and get it in your heart. Um, There are two important things I want to cover in this point, and then I'll move on. Uh, We've got to preach the whole counsel of God's word. Acts 20, 26 and 27 says, therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of men. Paul is speaking, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God's word. You can't sit under a ministry that only preaches from the New Testament. You can't, you know, say, well, I'm a grounded Christian and have solid theology if we refuse to understand the Old Testament. It's types and shadows. There's a ton of principles in there that give us clarity in the New Testament. There are prophetic books like Daniel and Ezekiel in the Old Testament that are coming to pass now. So if we're ignoring them, that means our eschatology is wrong. You can't go to a place that refuses to touch morality issues. You can't sit under a ministry that won't preach the book of Revelation. We've got to preach the whole counsel of God's word. And when we do, it produces two things. Number one, it produces the completeness described in 2 Timothy. Look, that the man of God may be what? Complete and thoroughly equipped. Completeness completeness only comes when we've got the big picture, amen? Amen. Well, I only want to hear about Jesus. I had someone come to me one time while I'm preaching in the Old Testament about David or through the book of Judges. I don't want to hear the Old Testament. I want to hear about Jesus. That's all you want to hear about? Jesus is in the Old Testament. He's in the Psalms. He's in the prophets. He's everywhere from cover to cover. Open up your eyes. Broaden your mind a little bit. Realize it's the word of God. I mean, if all you preached through was the Gospels, after a while, I mean, you would need to broaden it out a little bit. Well, it's all I want to hear is about Jesus. You don't sound like Jesus right now because he said not one jot or tittle or mark of punctuation would pass away from the Word of God, and it's all part of the Word of God. I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to perfect it. He quoted the Old Testament constantly as he taught. Okay. The second thing I want to say is that when we preach the whole counsel of word, not only does it bring us the completeness, but it it actually protects the teacher from being accountable of preaching half the truth. Look what Paul says, I am innocent of the blood of all men. When you preach the full counsel of God's word, every part of it, you preach about heaven, you preach about hell, you preach about sin, you preach about repentance, come on, the whole thing, amen, no one can come to you on the day of judgment and say, hey, preacher, you didn't tell me, because you didn't have the guts to tell the truth, you don't want to offend anybody, Paul said, I'm innocent of every man's blood, because I told you everything I know just how it is, amen, and that's what we need. In our teachers and in our pulpits, that they would teach the full counsel of God's word. Number five, teachers must make every effort to live what they teach. Amen. How many understand that, you know, we're all sinners and none of us are perfect, and we have good days and bad days? Some days we can live, you know, as much as the gospel of we know, and then then another day we're having a bad day. You know, we yelled at the wife, we shouted out the kids, we kicked the dog. Some of you are more offended. I kicked the dog. But I'm saying, you know, nobody's perfect, right? Can I mean, agree? Good. All right. I'm getting a little nervous. But um, we have to make every effort to live the word. And those who teach and preach and exercise ministry gifts, we need to, you know, live above reproach as best we can. And when we mess up, we need to ask forgiveness. And we need to be humble, amen, and not act like, you know, we're perfect, So if you're thinking about going into ministry, if you are in ministry, if you're using spiritual gifts, do your very best to live the word of God. Amen. Don't, you know, don't give yourself a license to do certain things and go, well, you know, it's just my vice. No, that's not a good thing. Romans 2.21 says, you, therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal. Do you steal? Wow. Paul's Paul's going, you know, hardcore there. He's saying, you know, if, if you're up at the pulpit or you're teaching or you're teaching little kids or you're training your own kids, is there hypocrisy in you? Are you doing the things that you tell them not to? Wow. People would say, oh, I would never steal. But some of us, you know, clock in clock out, sit at our desk, look at the computer for two hours, steal from our boss. We got paper clips and notepads and they don't belong to us. So, you know, we've got to do our very best to do, uh, you know, to live the word of God, to practice what we preach, to live what we teach. You know, it's not like, well, oops, I, I, I yelled at my kids or my wife and I had an argument. So, you know, now I have to resign from the ministry and I can never do it again. Trust me, there would be no pastors, no teachers. <laughs> some, some, some couples have had to get separate cars so they didn't fight on the way to church, no. All right, let's bring this in for a landing here. Number six, uh, the last thing I want to say about teachers is that there will be false teachers. Amen. And you and I who are filled with the Holy Spirit and have discernment, which is another spiritual gift, need to be able to spot the faults. Remember what I said about having the Holy Ghost in you? He's the umpire of your soul. So when, when something is said that doesn't line up with the word of God, and we've heard over the years, you know, people say things. And there was even one time we had someone come in as an evangelist from another country, and they said something. My wife and I were just talking about this the other day, and they said something that was unbiblical. And I think, I can't remember exactly, but I think I got up at the end of the message and corrected it immediately. And then when they left, they never came back. But uh, I corrected it in the next message where I talked to the people. So we've got to be careful about, um, you know, people who teach things that are unbiblical. The New Testament warns us over and over again that there will be false teachers. I could cover so many scriptures. I, uh, for time's sake, I'm not even going to read this. But I want you to write down Second Peter 2, 12 through 21. It shows a lot of the marks of a false teacher, uh, of those who are false. Uh, If you take some time to ingest that over and over again, the scripture warns us about false teachers, gives us the marks of those who are false ministers. Uh, So understand that we have to be able to spot that. Just because someone has the ability to teach doesn't mean that they are called by God. We don't need gurus and, you know, intellects or you know talking heads in the body of christ we need people who are called to minister amen Uh, you know i've seen so much of this out there just you know well they're on tv well they got a big church well if it doesn't line up with the word of god i don't care now you got to be careful because there are those in the body of christ that are jealous of other ministries that are bigger than theirs that call everybody a false teacher and I've seen a lot of that. Oh, they're a false teacher. Why? Because they don't put people into a coma in five minutes and you're, you're mad? I'm just being real with you. I think a lot of the criticism we see in the body of Christ is rooted in jealousy. Just because someone doesn't believe, you know, exactly the way you believe on eschatology or, or some application or because they speak in tongues and someone told you you can't and, you know, oh, they're a false teacher. Be careful be careful. On foundational things, we have agreement. On non-foundational things, we have grace. And so, you know, they, not everybody's going to think exactly like us, but doesn't mean they're not saved and doesn't mean they're not called, amen? But be able to spot the false. If it doesn't line up with God's word and it's obviously a foundational thing, you know, Jesus was just a man. He wasn't really God. Eh, it's, always about, <laughs> it's always about attacking the Christology, amen? That's where you're going to find the bulk of your heresy. So uh, be able to spot the false, be able to spot the traits of the false. Um, There will be plenty of smooth talking, slick, skilled speakers out there who would love to deceive and then fleece the people of God for their own gain. And there's a lot of them out there today. Don't send them money. Don't watch their programs. They're begging. We're going to go off the air. Go off the air. Because God finances what he what he does. Amen. So there will always be false teachers. So I hope that you learned a lot about the fivefold ministry gifts. We're going to bow our heads and thank God in a minute. But we've covered each of them. Next time we're together, God willing, we're going to understand what the fivefold ministry gifts are for as the word continues here in Ephesians to give us clarity. Father, we thank you tonight uh, for the gift of the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. Holy Spirit, you are a teacher. I'm not the teacher here. I'm just the conduit. I'm just called to to preach the word under the anointing and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. But Holy Spirit, you teach us, you train us, you guide us, you lead us into all truth. And we thank you for that tonight. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Father, all of us have wrong thinking and wrong theology and maybe some baggage from the past or baggage from uh, our, our church upbringing and We need our hearts straightened out. Lord, do that work in each of us. Bring us into the truth with clarity. Father, help us to believe rightly about you and your character and about what your word promises. Father, I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give him praise tonight.